Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friend, welcome to this week's Upfront Moment. This week we are revisiting a LinkedIn Live conversation that I had last year with the brilliant Katie Murray. Katie is a leadership coach and the author of the book Changemakers. In this conversation we are talking all things confidence, comparison and competition. I wanted to take this opportunity to celebrate Katie and her new book, hopefully introduce her work to some new people and to take the chance for us to dig into the themes that we both care about, confidence, comparison and competition. Because this is a recording of a LinkedIn Live, the quality is not quite as smooth as I would like, but I know that you're still going to get a huge amount out of this conversation. Thanks for being here. Let's go. Welcome, Katie. How are you? I'm good. It's lovely to see you. I'm so glad we could be here together. So I would love you, Katie, to introduce yourself. Tell us who are you? Tell us about this mission you're on. Tell us where you're joining in from and why you showed up to today's conversation. So I am a leadership coach. I work with women in the world and non-binary folks who want to create a more equitable workplace I run an EDI consultancy, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion consultancy, speaker, coach, author, all those lovely things. Been doing that for about 20 years, over the decades in my career and noticing levels of burnout now at alarming levels post-pandemic. We know that women are proportionately bearing the impact of that. All the things, right, that are going on in the world right now, the level Mm -hmm. of interconnectedness that we with things that are going on globally and that wake-up call to be part of a change to say this is there's so much that isn't working for us so this book for me is like my love letter to all my clients that I've worked with over the years ambitious talented brilliant women navigating their workplace system really want to be that change and then anyone who's saying how do I make a difference so how do we make a contribution and be part of this kind of collective we who are saying this is currently not as good as it could be. We can do things better. We can do things differently. And I read a thing yesterday, Lauren, that is it somewhere in Spain has just recorded the highest temperatures ever for the summer, May. And, you know, we wake up to news today of songs and we look at reproductive health rights, all these things, cost of living increases, all these things that I know you're also passionately connected into as well. But how do we connect with that and make a difference in those big issues and also, how do we create workplaces that enable people to be safe and to be well and to thrive? I think also this idea of how do you stay hopeful in amongst the the daily tragedies that we are that yeah. we are being exposed to. Even as I speak now, I'm feeling this anger in me. Like I, I'm not sure that I've ever been as angry as I am right now generally in life like I'm seeing so much where that rage is really fueling me and to your point about hope and joy and well-being we need to center that actually this has been my learning over the last few years that I can't just be angry because I'm gonna burn out so how do I sustain myself and that's in collective that's with other people how do we 
how do we rest so that then we can rise and how do we center our own well-being so all the power practices in the book are things that I've learned and gleaned and sort of synthesized together over many many years of how can we reset our nervous systems how can we honor our bodies how can we listen to our pleasure and our joy and our desires which can seem very individual and maybe even we put a label selfish around that but actually my learning is we we have to center that as individuals mm-hmm. so that we collectively can find ways then to kind of deal with the things that we're navigating does that land for you as well does that make sense yeah 100 percent. and I'm so curious about this idea of a power practice like tell us what's that how do we do that yeah so these are really small things so this is when myself you know kids and life and all the things we're juggling and my clients are saying to me don't give me loads of things to do like don't put more things on my to-do list so I've created just these really small easy to fit in our day practices that I call power practices that enable us to um, connect with ourselves connect with our desires I mean they all do slightly different things but they all activate the body's relaxation response so they feel really good and they're really quick and easy to do so that we can start to develop new habits and new patterns so this really helps us in our own sustainability and actually if we're flirting with burnout if we've experienced that sense of overwhelm or exhaustion or workplace pressures these practices don't solve all of that for us because that's the system but they actually help us to restore and refresh and kind of sustain ourselves so that then we're perhaps in a place to challenge the system in a different way so they're they're very personal they're things that you can make your own wrinkle throughout the book and I've kind of done that like a manual so you can find an easy way to to learn to make them your own do you have a favorite one that you'd like to share with us Yeah, so, oh, there's a few I love. So today I use the setting my intentions power practice, which is I wake up in the morning, um, my kids are big now, so I'm not juggling, you know, little bodies getting dressed and all of that kind of stuff. But you can fit this in whenever it works in your day. And I just say to myself, maybe I write it down or I put it on my phone or my stories if I'm into social media that morning. And I say, what is it that I want to feel today? That kind of connection with my emotion what is it that I want to be today? How do I want to show up with people, my colleagues, my clients, with you today, with our audiences, with our with our families? How do I want to be as a person? And then one thing that I want to progress. So in all the busyness, in all the things I could focus on, what is one thing that's going to help me create more of the life I desire, create more of the contribution I want to make in the world. So for me, that one thing is, is an email that I've been putting off sending. Oh, um, the email. Send it, send it. <laughs> email that I just need to send. It's nearly written. I need to send it. And I've been, you know, it's a small thing, but mm. actually it's going to help me progress towards my goals. So there's a load of other things I'll do today, but that one thing. So those three questions, how do I want to feel? How do I want to show up? One thing. And it just helps, you know, before you look at other people's demands on you mm-hmm. and everyone else's drama right it helps us to center in well what's important to me today and just even for moments to connect with that is really powerful and you can come back to it through the day I get knocked off course all the time okay come back how did I want to feel today how do I want Mm -hmm. to and it helps yeah I love that idea it's so good to be connected to somebody who has built up a habit because I think sometimes you lose the motivation when you don't stick to it but it's remembering that even if you only do it once every now and again whilst you're building the habit yeah it's still really powerful and useful and I'm I'm really curious about the you know obviously the very intentional choice you made to focus on this idea of burnout which let's be honest as a concept 
has, you know, was trendy for a bit, then was dismissed as gaslighting for a bit, then was trendy again. Like it's a it's a word that's bandied around a lot and is often misunderstood. And I know from my own community and my friend groups, there is absolutely no doubt that the last two years have taken an enormous toll on women in particular around mental health, yeah. well-being, emotional labour, financial stability but yet it can be easy sometimes to dismiss that as well that's just where we are it's capitalism it's the systems we operate in who am I to think I can change what the boards of my organization prioritize or whatever that might look like so I'm curious to hear why you decided to focus on because I know your work touches lots of different areas of change making and putting your skills and talents to good use in the world why you chose to focus on that area of burnout and also are there any kind of unexpected stories or feedback you've heard from the the first community of of readers that has surprised you or touched you or made you think about burnout differently yeah I think you've touched on it for me it's inner and outer work so it's how is this impacting me on an individual level? And you've named in those different ways and the power practices we've talked about can connect to that. So there's work around what do I actually, you know, what do I want in my life? Like who am I and what do I want in my life? Those kind of big questions that connect here because I think we found ourselves at a time where we are asking those bigger questions about what do I actually want from my work and is it okay that I just have to keep going with this and like you say is it just really just empowering to say well it's the system and I I don't know even know where to start with that so that inner work about our kind of inner confidence and how we make sense of our lives and make sense of our world and then that outer work for me is where's the we who else can I connect with whose story can I share what privilege do I carry actually and what may be a really different experience for somebody else that I can listen to that story I can be humbled by that I can be kind of activated by those other stories how can we together start some conversations so in our different workplaces in our different spheres of influence who are those people that we can get visible in front of and have those conversations with it doesn't have to be a big loud jazz hands kind of big bang it can be really quiet small conversations but actually those have a quite a disruptive effect because you're getting people to think about things differently so those stories are the things that I feel really encouraged by when people are reading the book and going oh you talked about joy and then this happened today or you talked about jealousy and then this happened today and this is how I'm dealing with my jealousy so it's almost like the small pieces that I've mentioned will resonate with different people and hearing how that's landing is it is really joyful and yeah and then I think it's really challenging isn't it to kind of care for ourselves and deal with what we're handling and also take on some kind of wider change maker. so I think this change maker idea can feel for some people quite burdensome and quite heavy and you know that doesn't necessarily enable us during burnout or you know when we're thinking about burnout so for me it's like well what does that mean for each of us and how do we each find our place and and be encouraged by others finding their place again that we can get into some of the comparison stuff here that if you know if I'm focusing on what other people are doing what she's doing and they're doing and I'm less focused on what it is that I can do let's go there let's look at those three themes that you and I had identified that we wanted to dig into because I'm really curious as to what your point of view is on why those three themes confidence self-belief trusting yourself to do the thing 
whatever that might be, confidence to keep going. And the, a relationship with comparison and competition that blocks us from making the change that we have the potential to make. Like, what, why do you think those three themes are such recurring patterns in your coaching work and your leadership work? Yeah, happy to share. And I think we're socialised in scarcity. So we're socialised through capitalism and patriarchy, misogyny as well, and probably all the other isms and archies socialise us into this idea and it's the sea that we're swimming in so we don't even see that we really hold this belief deep down that maybe there's only just a few spaces for me and you you know maybe there's not enough room for all of us in the workplaces that we're in so we've learned from a young age that we need to compete with each other and, and that we there kind of isn't enough so I think that's a really key piece it's quite deep inside each of us that we notice particularly you know for myself as a woman like particularly with other women, what is actually in me around wanting to compete or feeling like I should be competing with them or comparing my life that we have, again, these really strong narratives around what a good mother, what a good woman, what a good worker, all these sort of assumptions around what it means to be thin enough, pretty enough, all the things that are wrapped up in consumerism often, but that we hold ourselves to these standards, which are kind of unrealistic and ridiculous. And we have those in the workplace too. And we end up then into this comparison space. Again, it's not necessarily very conscious. It might be really deep inside us. So noticing when we're doing that. And I think that's just a way, isn't it, for us to kind of be distracted and stay small and sort of stay really overly focused on ourselves in quite an unhealthy way, rather than necessarily seeing, again, that collective potential when there's a we kind of beyond the I. And there's three implications that I I thought I would share when we think about the culture that we want to create around us. So whether that's in our families, our communities, our workspace, I think there's three implications of those, of that socialization around competition and comparison. So the first one is like, how do we make space at the table? So whatever tables you're in, whatever access you have, whatever rooms you are kind of allowed into, how are you like, elbowing in and making more space who else can you bring in who else's voice isn't part of that and where can you like you know pull up more chairs and make more space and and you're in the book Lauren just to share with everybody that your your interviews in here and you talk about I wanted to read actually you talk about the table and you said encourage us all to sit there no matter how uncomfortable it is no matter how hard it is to get a seat when we get there we make space for others and ruin dinner if we have to which I just love (laughs) once you get there cause trouble that's like the first sort of call to action really and that's a way of counteracting this sense of well there's only room for me so now I've got here I better kind of pull up the drawbridge I've worked with so many women's talent programs over the years where people are navigating systems really successfully some people and then disrupting precisely nothing once Mm -hmm. they get to where they want to get to and I'm not here for that anymore I'm like no this is actually about there's a collective we can dismantle together so when I'm in a room who else can come into the room and that's something we all do in our different spheres of influence and the second thing I wanted to ask us to think about was like how are we modeling how we're relating to other women so how can I deal with myself how can I deal with my own jealousy my own sense of comparison my own sense of competition that's my inner work to do what do I need to do around that, you know, with others, help and support? How can I genuinely cheerlead and genuinely support and genuinely be in a we alongside other women? And that's about, you know, other people are doing their piece to um, to make a difference. And I don't need to be doing their thing. They don't need to be doing my thing, but I can be 
encouraged, inspired, supported by them. And that's ongoing work. Like that is not a one and done for me. That is ongoing work to enable myself. Because that societal conditioning is so, so, so strong. So comparison spike, you know, launching a book, oh my gosh, comparison spikes. It's just monumental. So that's Mm. what I work to do with, with the support I put around me. But what can I model to genuinely make that look different and for other women to experience something really different? And that's what I'm doing in the groups that I host. I know that's what you're doing in the bonds. It's like, how can we be and embrace and kind of embody a different kind of being together as women and other folks who've been marginalized historically and still? So that's like the second piece for me. And then the third one is like when I'm dealing with competition and comparison, when I'm noticing that in myself, comes back to that hope and joy piece that you mentioned earlier how am I really centering that how am I centering my own well-being how am I centering joy and experiencing the joy of life day to day where we can find it so that I'm not distracted by what other people are doing and that's a bit of that's kind of self-care and inner work I mentioned before so yeah those were those were some of the things I was thinking about like the ways that competition comparison link to how we show up in our work I mean, I love them all and I'm so here for the, what does it look like to genuinely cheerlead? Because I think that's something that I really do spend a lot of time thinking about. And I see it as like a core tenant of my leadership practice. It's like, if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing it right type of thing. And I also think about, you know, when you're talking about being in company of other women being inspired by other women but also that can very quickly like like that inspiration type walk can really quickly slip into comparison and oh I feel bad because I'm witnessing this other woman's show reel and I think it's so important to recognize the power that like what the potential that comes with us rejecting those narratives just blows my mind. And it's to your point of all of this is intentional. It's intentional to keep us distracted and to keep us tired and to keep us small. It's like if every single woman on this planet woke up tomorrow morning and was unable to feel that despair or sadness that comes with comparison, think how many multi-billion dollar industries would just disappear because they thrive, they thrive on our insecurity and they thrive on our competing against each other and I think it's too easy for women you know particularly women who would identify as a feminist and vocal about you know things do need to change it's too easy for that narrative to become let's blame white men like let's make an enemy and target them because there's so much of that prejudice and discrimination and bias is also in us. Mm-hmm. We are swimming in it, as you say. And I think it's really important to like flip the mirror the other way and say, like, what are the behaviours and values and narratives and stories that I'm bringing to the table that are actually reinforcing this, this landscape that I also desperately want to change? And in my work with white men, which I spend quite a lot of time within my consulting room mm-hmm. the conversation gets really interesting with them around well what can we each model when we hold privilege that conversation about you know understanding the privilege we, that we hold in a particular space what can we model that will play a different narrative like you say and in my experience when well let's just use my own journey as a white woman thinking about anti-racism let's say or as an able-bodied person thinking about ableism when I'm in that learning place it's really uncomfortable isn't it and there's a lot of you know defensiveness that can come up there's a lot of rejection that can come up it feels so uncomfortable when I'm in a place of 
seeing and realizing and that there's those kind of light bulbs are going on it's very humbling but then actually that's really powerful because I can do something about it and people around you then notice it's like okay you're doing something different now so I noticed that in my own journey as a white woman I notice it with white men that I work with that it's really powerful when there's then a shift to say I'm gonna amplify the voices of the women in my team I'm gonna advocate for better access for people who are wheelchair users, for example, oh, you know, there are so many different ways that can show up. But when people who have that kind of traditional power are able to step into that space, you know, that's great. Let's support that. That's what we all want to see. So I know we're coming to the end of our session and I want to ask you before we check out, because I know people are here listening with like, I've had burnout, don't want to have it again. And yes, I get stuck in comparison cycles. Like, of course, buy the book, but as well as buy the book, what's your what's your message to those people? So, yeah, me too. You're not alone. Again, it's that we. It's not about you. You're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. It's not something wrong with you that maybe sometimes we think it's, oh gosh, it's just me that's feeling this. I think there's enough conversation going on to know that you're not alone, that there is a we. So I would say find your people where you feel angry, where you have that rage, that is a clue and also where you find joy. So those two things together are really powerful, like real detective mm-hmm. for me when I'm coaching with women who are like, what is it I can do? And yes, it's that inner work. It's that self-care. It do the practices to support yourself and find your contribution because actually that's incredibly engaging and energizing for us on a sort of well-being level when we feel like we can be part of something that's bigger than ourselves too. So that in itself can be very healing. And don't do it alone. So your, your anger and your joy will lead you and um, it'll be a clue to finding your contribution and finding your people. Who else can you share your story with, be alongside? Of course, join the bond. Obviously, that's a space where you can find like-minded people. And I would say don't do not do it alone. Don't be alone in this navigation journey and in your own centering, your own well-being journey. And find other people in your workspaces who want to start these conversations. And yeah. um, those people will be there. And that's finding our voice, isn't it? And finding when we can share our stories, that's how I think we find our voice and how we build our confidence to share what it is that we want to share and talk about what it is that we want to change and the things we want to see that are different. But again, it's a muscle, isn't it? We have to sort of come out of our comfort zone, but also just develop that willingness to speak up and that willingness to articulate what it is that we have inside of us. We could do a whole other talk, a whole other book on anger, because I I have so much to say about that, because I do, I think, all of my best work, best ideas come from fury. Um, I cannot emphasise enough this idea of finding community. And again, it feels like it's something that, especially over COVID, as we've all been physically isolated, it's become a bit of a catchphrase. But you know, up front, we're working so hard to really think about what does a genuinely inclusive, safe, brave community look like. But Katie, to end, I would love you to tell us what is next for you and your change-making journey. Because every day I just visualise you, I was reading in the book that when you do the power practice of writing on the post-its and then you put it in a plastic wallet and you've got the Like I get really obsessed with things that like accumulate over time and I'm really bad at it. I've tried, I'm like, start this journal, start this jar, this envelope. And then I could just never like make it stick. So I love the idea of you having your wee plastic wallet. So whilst you're doing that, what else is on the cards? And of course, how can we help? Yeah, thanks for asking that. So 
I talk about seasons in the book as well about kind of ebbs and flows in our life and in our work and our business and I feel like I'm in a bit of an autumn and a winter so now I need a bit of that kind of recalibration bit of rest bit of recoup having just done the kind of writing and putting the book out there so the next spring and summer will come but I feel like I'm in that autumn and winter our culture wants us to be always on right and always just producing and I'm going to counteract that and resist that so I'm noticing I I want that pause time and people keep saying oh what's next so I'm, I'm in that pause zone for that my own change making I feel like is you know is ongoing with my clients and the the beautiful clients that I work with and also just in my local community it's like what does this look like here I think it's important that we find our a kind of local community expression of that too that it's not just sort of out there in our workplaces so that's really really important to me that integrity piece there too mm. yeah and then going deeper on the themes in my with my change makers you know, we're, we're going deeper in community around all the themes that we've talked about today so that's I'm really really passionate about that and that's where those really connected conversations can happen which is really really beautiful space for me amazing well enjoy your hibernation huge well done like what an awesome awesome thing I just can't imagine how proud you must be to hold it in your hands I was looking online there's already tons of reviews online of people saying it's genuinely genuinely helping them you're achieving your mission so well done thank you for the work you do in the world and I will see you soon thanks Lauren Thank you for tuning in to this week's Upfront Moment. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind you to follow Upfront on Instagram and join the other 5,000 women all over the world who get our weekly newsletter. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Bye friends, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.